you're gay, then you're gay. Don't pretend that you're straight. You could be who you are any day of the week. You are unlike the others, so strong and unique. We're all with you. If you're straight, well, that's great. You can help procreate and make gay little babies for the whole human race. Make a world we can live in where the one who you love's not an issue. Cause we're all somewhere in the middle. We're all just looking for love to change the world. Ah. And we're all here in it together. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to the July 21st edition of I Am Are You? The nation's longest running lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender radio news magazine. Out front and out loud since 1974, making this our 40th year on the air. I'm Chris Ann Eastwood. I'm Wenzel Jones. And I'm Steve Pride. On tonight's show, we'll visit with out singer songwriter Tom Goss, who'll perform for us as well. And we'll chat with former Major League Baseball player Billy Bean about being named. Major League Baseball's first ambassador for inclusion. And we'll do an audio fist bump via phone with Daniel Rugg Webb, the Austin restaurant cashier, comedian, and drag diva who shared a gay moment with our president a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Mm. But first, the national and international news from This Way Out. I'm Michael LeBeau. And I'm Sarah Sweeney. With News Wrap, a summary of some of the news in or affecting LGBT communities around the world for the week ending July 19, 2014. The international HIV-AIDS research and activist community has been in a state of shock following the death of the past president of the International AIDS Society, world-renowned Dutch scientist Yup Lang, along with other prominent AIDS researchers and activists who may have died when Malaysia Airlines Flight 17 was senselessly shot down on July 17th over eastern Ukraine, apparently by Russian-supported separatists. Glenn Thomas, a World Health Organization media coordinator from Switzerland, is also among the confirmed dead. The plane was en route from Amsterdam to Kuala Lumpur. Several passengers were then reportedly scheduled to take a connecting flight to Melbourne, Victoria, for the 20th Annual International AIDS Conference, which was set to begin on July 20th. Of the almost 300 passengers and crew who lost their lives, the number of HIV-AIDS activists and researchers on board was first set at 108, even as reporters were trying to confirm all the names. Malaysia Airlines did not make the passenger list immediately available. U.S. President Barack Obama said that nearly 100 of those killed may have been on their way to the conference. But according to one report, organizers said on the evening of July 18th, about 36 hours after the crash, that they had only been able to confirm seven names. So complete information about the disaster is still developing as we record this newscast. The conference will go on as scheduled as organizers believe those who died would have wanted. Flags across Melbourne will fly at half-mast for the duration of the six-day gathering. A national day of mourning was held in the Netherlands on July 18th to remember the 173 Dutch nationals who died. 44 Malaysians, 27 Australians, 12 Indonesians, 9 Britons, and one American with dual citizenship were also reportedly on board. In other news, marriage equality continues its torrid march across the United States. 
the same federal appeals court that struck down Utah's ban on civil marriage for lesbian and gay couples at the end of June, a three-judge panel of the 10th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals overturned Oklahoma's ban on July 18th. The Denver-based court found that the U.S. Supreme Court's 2013 ruling, striking down a key section of the Defense of Marriage Act, meant that states could not deny the right to civil marriage to gay and lesbian couples. The Associated Press called that direct reasoning the first for a federal appeals court. The Oklahoma ruling was put on hold, as was Utah's, pending each state's appeal. Florida's attorney general has already filed an appeal challenging the July 17th ruling by Circuit Judge Luis M. Garcia to open civil marriage to lesbian and gay couples in Monroe County, which includes the Florida Keys. The judge decided that the state's ban on civil marriage for same-gender couples is unconstitutional. Two Key West bartenders who want to marry had challenged the ban, but the local ruling applied only to couples in that county. The quick appeal by State Attorney General Pam Bondi put the ruling on hold, however, to prevent any of Monroe County's lesbian or gay couples from legally marrying. She says that the U.S. Supreme Court needs to settle the question. An unsigned order from the Supreme Court on July 18th granted Utah's appeal of a lower court's ruling that had ordered the state to recognize the civil marriages of more than a 1,000 gay and lesbian couples who wed in Utah after a district court overturned the state's ban last December and before the high court stepped in to stop them in early January. A temporary stay of the ruling issued by the 10th U.S. Circuit ordering the state to recognize those marriages was due to expire on July 21st. So Utah officials sought the stay from Justice Sonia Sotomayor. She referred the matter to the full Supreme Court, which issued the stay pending the outcome of the state's planned appeal to the High Court of the 10th Circuit decision that overturned the ban itself. And Colorado's Supreme Court capped off the week of marriage equality cases by issuing a somewhat strange ruling ordering Denver County to stop issuing marriage licenses to same-gender couples while the state appeals a lower court declaration that the centennial state's ban on them violates the U.S. Constitution. Boulder County Clerk Hillary Hall was the first to begin issuing the licenses soon after the 10th Circuit's June 25th ruling overturned Utah's ban because rulings in that court affect five other states in the region, including Colorado. Denver and Pueblo County clerks followed suit a few weeks later. And since the state high court ruling doesn't specifically name them, clerks in both Boulder and Pueblo said they'd continue to issue the marriage licenses. Republican Attorney General John Southers has ordered all Colorado counties to stop issuing them and has appealed the trial court's ruling striking down the state's civil marriage ban to the state Supreme Court. He said that even though the high court's decision was limited to Denver, he hopes it will discourage other county clerks from starting to issue marriage licenses to lesbian and gay couples. And finally, Singapore's National Library Board this week confirmed that it would remove and destroy all copies of three LGBT-inclusive children's books and Tango Makes Three, the fact-based story of two male penguins raising a chick at the Central Park Zoo in New York City, The White Swan Express, a story about adoption, which includes a lesbian couple, and Who's in My Family, All About Our Families, which features a variety of family configurations, including those headed by same-gender parents. The library board said it is saddened by adverse reaction, mostly in social media, by many writers and rights groups that are describing the decision as censorship. 
but a board statement insists that its action is simply a reflection of cultural norms and that it takes a pro-family and cautious approach in reviewing books for young people. The Straits Times reported that the board also turned down the offer of at least one individual who wanted to purchase all copies of the banned books to prevent their destruction. Private consensual adult gay sex remains a crime in the tiny Asian city-state, and government officials say it should stay on the books because it's rarely prosecuted. A challenge to the law is pending at Singapore's high court. But there's a substantial and increasingly vocal population of LGBT people and their supporters in Singapore. The annual Pink Dot LGBT Rights Rally began with a few hundred people in 2009. This year's event drew a record 26,000 people a few weeks ago. The library board's decision was apparently in response to a single complaint about the books from a woman who also discussed her objections on a We Are Against Pink Dot Facebook page. We felt that the children in these families should have at least one book in which families like theirs were represented. That's Justin Richardson, the co-author of Antango Makes Three, which was originally published in the U.S. almost a decade ago. While it's taken some heat in the States, copies of the book have never been ordered destroyed. He told the Australian Broadcasting Corporation that the government's heavy-handed response flies in the face of the changing social reality in Singapore. And I think if you then look at the government's response, which is to pull a few copies of a picture book of a true story of penguins and to crush those books, it becomes clear it's a fairly impotent gesture of a government that is experiencing a real shift in public attitudes. That's News Wrap for the week ending July 19, 2014. Follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community. News Wrap was written by Greg Gordon, recorded at the studios of KPFK Los Angeles, and produced by Steve Pride. News Wrap from This Way Out is brought to you by you. Help keep us on the air and in your ears at thiswayout.org, where you can also read the text of this newscast. For This Way Out, I'm Sarah Sweeney. And I'm Michael LeBeau. You can hear more News Wrap and the entire half hour of the latest This Way Out on free podcasts at thiswayout.org on iTunes or Stitcher. Also on the program this week, Obama's order, Holder's vow, Thorpe's outing, Sam's win, and 227. That's such a mystery that he puts together. I know. I never know what he means. (laughs) It's, well, it's supposed to be a teaser. It's alluring. Let's talk about alluring for a minute. You know, it's been over a decade since we've interviewed former professional baseball player Billy Bean, who came out publicly as gay in 1999. And saying a lot has changed in professional sports since then is an understatement. It sure is. But times have changed, gentlemen, as last week Billy Bean was named Major League Baseball's first ambassador for inclusion. Well, welcome to IMRU Ambassador Bean. Thank you. Thank All you for hell. having me. I'm glad to be here. Here he is. Glad I'm to be back. Finally, some jock energy in here. No, <laughs> you know, no insult to you, well, big, massive studs across from me. A dozen years ago, when I interviewed you for your book, I included a clip from a show called Arliss that you just appeared on and made some statements that became very controversial. That was an HBO show. An HBO show. Right. And all these years later, I find out that my co-host wrote that episode. It. Yeah. That is correct. Yeah. I we, was a Before writer. we get started, let's hear that. Let's. So tell me, what position does this guy play? Outfielder? Billy, this is serious. Tell me about it. No, you tell me about it. You've been there. Yeah. And I hate to say it, 
But uh, I don't think he can come out. This guy's life will be under a microscope tomorrow. And no matter how much progress we think this country's had, there's a lot of people out there who are going to want him to fail. Don't you think there's a chance that America might embrace him? Not as long as fathers are taking their sons to the ballpark. They don't want to hear, Daddy, I want to grow up and be just like him. <sighs> this isn't what I was hoping to hear. Wow. That was heavy stuff. And whoever wrote that, I, I have to just say. It, it. was genius. Faulkner, <laughs> It was all about the writing, really, I think. It really was. I mean, Billy did okay. I mean, but, it was fine. But, I mean, as the writer, what was going well, on at that time in history? Here's what was going on. The, the basic plot was that there was a baseball player. He was a pitcher uh, played by the very hunky Grant Show. Grant and he um, was wanting to come out. And he fell in love yeah. with a He fell in love with a musician. Uh, and a very kind of major force of nature, and his character's name was Holland Pound, um, kind of based on Elton John. But he was very, you know, very swarthy, Australian, mm-hmm. big hair and everything. And uh, he wanted to come out. He goes, I want to make this statement. I'm tired. And, and we had some scenes where there was some homophobic stuff in the locker room. And they also had this band. It was, I mean, there's all this, you know, the, the point of Arliss, you always had a couple of stories that kind of wove together. And they were doing this mm-hmm. charity band. So Holland Pound was going to write this song for charity. And we had, like, you know, Maurice Green, the sprinter, and Tara Lipinski. We had a lot of great um, cameos and so forth. So it was really fun. And, and But we had to have somebody give the advice. And, and over the years, you know, Robert Wall, the, the creator and my mentor and so forth, you know, we had talked to lots and lots of athletes, and he had he asked everybody about different you know vibes and kind of mores in professional sports, and um, their advice was don't come out, and and that was Billy's advice when we asked him to be on the show. Now, well, um, at the time, I mean, it was time. it was trying to be what it would be the most truthful advice an agent would give a player who's at the top of his game, and and uh, and it's interesting because there was some controversial you know. Uh, parts of the script but the dialogue in the locker room really was like that yeah we, and it was a, it's it, it's hard to hear when you're out of the context but when you're in that world that's why it was just it was no decision for me to stay in the closet I didn't even contemplate coming out because I just I grew up in that world and right. that's that was defined me more than my sexual orientation did at the time for sure and and then when I I remember seeing it uh, you know in after on television, where it was, you know, obviously a bit theatrical. It's theatrical. You know, it's, it's a show, TV, and, and um, it seemed to verify or validate all the decisions, even though they they were hard. And that was even before I wrote my book, and that was it, right after my story came out. And it right. Was, Yes, you were you were a huge get for us. You were a huge get. It was either you or Martina, and uh-huh. we got you because Martina, you know how she can be. But it was a huge. Well, I get. think I think in the context of a team sport, this it, it would have been it's a it was and a men. better story. And, yeah, and, and, and to be frank, sure. the coming out the coming out experience for male yeah. athletes, because I mean, if you look at the female athletes out there, there's lots that yeah. are out, and men, uh, you know, the individuals are, are out coming out and so forth, but the uh, male team guys are slow. Well, to you do have it. to. You, it de- your success and your your life inside of sports depends on a, a lot of other people. An individual athlete, if you're Martina Navratilova and nobody can beat you in the world, they have to invite you to the party. You know, so, but in the way that's why the Michael Sam story has been so compelling. Um, in team sports, you are you you're drafted into this world from the lower levels, from high school or college, and and um, you are 
um, judged by other people who've never even met you. And, and, te- so- and being a part of a team and right. the team being cohesive is so m- important for the success. Right. It's, it's not just about you as an individual. I've always, I've always said for the last you know 15 years, it's, it's never was going to be about the player fitting in. It's how the others around that subject accept the subject, not so much you know, worrying. And I think that's why it's so vital and important that uh, what baseball has decided to do, um, and it will lead the way for the other sports as well, is is create an, an environment where there is an education of uh, exposure to, um, and if I'm a living example of that, and they see a baseball guy, and they see the way I carry myself, and that it's still really about baseball for me as well, my love for the game and the history. And, um, and, and I hope that we are on the verge of, of the, the, the next baseball player that comes out will be a baseball player who just happens to be gay instead of labeled a gay baseball well, sure. player like I was. And I think that's the – when we talk about you know this new position called the ambassador of inclusion, which is, you know, baseball is a theatrical game filled with lots of traditions. I don't, do they, is this the first ambassador position that there has been in Major League Baseball? Base, baseball has, uh, Major League Baseball has two other ambassadors, and one is uh, Roberto Clemente's wife, Vera, who mm. is the ambassador of goodwill. Okay. And she's been connected to the game for over 35 years, and that, uh, the Roberto Clemente Award is an, a, a very, very prestigious uh, I think the top award. I think above yeah. all, I think that's the mo- one of most and amazing And that's given award. to the player who does the most uh, uh community service within their, where where they play, and it's it's really amazing, because the amount of money generated in, in situations like that and how it goes to help, you know, underprivileged youth or whatever the, the um, charity um, designated by that player. It's it's an amazing thing. And then Tony La Russa is also an ambassador. Um, he just got elected to the Hall of Fame, and he uh, is um, one of the confidants of Commissioner Selig. And obviously, uh, Tony La Russa has been in baseball for over 45 yes, years. And so I was completely humbled by the title. You're in very esteemed yeah. company. In, in the world of baseball, for all our listeners who are fans, I mean, this, this is big, big, big deal. Could, could I ask a question here, though? Because I was just wondering, when you're the very first ambassador, of it, do you just make it up as you go along, or did it come That's with a It's a great question, book? because part of the this process is them, we're defining the position as we go, and they, the process that got me into this this accepting the job we we dialogued what goals they had and and i tried to explain to them all the things i've learned from the lgbt especially the sports community about um inclusive dialogue language resources made available to all stakeholders not just the players i mean baseball is a massive business there's 30 teams there's seven minor league teams under each every major league organization you have General managers, managers, assistant managers, secretaries, you know, cleaning crews, snack bar people, construction company, you know, there's, it's endless. And so anyone facilitated or, or not facilitated, but um, connected to the MLB family is going to be part of this uh, process. So the, we are, my job is to try to make it palatable right away that we can have some um, resources made available as soon as, as soon as possible. And part of that is the workplace code of conduct that, uh, 
now includes sexual orientation for um, all anti-discrimination. And, but and this is not just LGBT stuff. Is, no. I mean, from what I have read, this is, I mean, you have a year, very huge scope of responsibility here as, as in, in this, your race, gender, religion, um, religion, disabilities. I mean, pretty much kind of like, you know, the non-discriminatory things that are listed in federal right. you know, law. Well, you were out in Compton that, just today, weren't you? Right. And that that's something that was existing well before me. And it's a great program that MLB has. Uh, um, one of my uh, good friends that I played with uh, a long time with Daryl Miller, who is Cheryl Miller's brother, older brother, and Reggie Miller's older brother. Um, he's been uh, organizing. It's only one weekend a year, but there's some various camps around the country. But uh, I was out there today, and it was great to see. We had uh, Frank Robinson was out there, um, Jeffrey Hammond, some other major league players. Um, and, you know, the kids just light up when the big leaguers are out there and, and uh, the, re- the facility is amazing. And what we're trying to do and part of the inclusive message is to we want the best product for, for baseball. Baseball's being selfish. We want the best players in the world. And, and if those players happen to be African-American from Asia, gay or from you know, Germany, whatever, we want to make it possible for them to succeed and feel welcome. And we want the players that are playing around that person to know that MLB's philosophy is that we are all in this together. So what precipitated this? Is this, is this I mean, because in March, uh, NFL announced that Wade Davis was going to be working as kind of a liaison after Michael Sam came out and after he made himself eligible for the draft. So the NFL are the first ones who kind of started the ball going to make somebody officially for this. Right. So is that why or is there something no. else going on that... We should. Well, you be can play as a for. separate LGBT organization. So, mm-hmm. because Wade Davis was connected to the NFL, um, he was very aggressive in his outreach towards the league. He had a lot of friends and people that are coaches, and he's done an amazing job. And Patrick Burke, whose uh, brother died um, in a car accident, yes. Um, the, his family has been an NHL family forever, yes. and no one has ever come out in the NHL either. No. Patrick is not a player, but he's an, uh, a general assistant general manager, I believe, in Philadelphia now. Um, but Wade reached out to NFL, and because of the symmetry and the history, I think the NFL um, felt comfortable that he could make his presentation at the rookie uh, symposium. So baseball had never had uh, that. And and to my knowledge, this is it's the first this is unprecedented because being attached in a way that shows that the league is mandating inclusion and for for all its stakeholders, um, it just shows that, that they're obviously very responsible and they want to um, let everyone know, all their fans, that uh, their responsibility as a, as a role model for, the, for our society. Um, and there are people in paramount. some of the offices. There are some people in, in that are out, and um, I think someone with the D-backs. Am I, am I right? I don't know anybody. I've I've met many. I've met people, people in the front offices, <clears throat> but nobody on the field yet. Right. Who is out yet? And what you know when we like going back to what I I wrote you know 15 years ago. It's still we're still yeah, waiting. Even, we're still I, waiting. It's amazing that even people that worked off. A, outside the lines within baseball have felt that to be a part of baseball or to be a part of professional sports, the choice was to keep that part of their I mean, life. Umpires? We're not Absolutely. seeing we're not seeing minor leaguers, but we're major change leaguers, that. anybody. You're gonna and change so that. What are you about, gonna do to change it's it? It's not about finding out who who is gay or, or, or it's it's really about making the environment, making everyone understand that it won't be tolerated 
to, uh, inclusion and acceptance is the name of the game. So if if we start to see an increase in applications for jobs within baseball from mm-hmm. LGBT community people, people that are out, people that have worked in the you know in corporate world and who have said, you know what, I love sports and I want to go work in sports. And now I, from what I hear, I'm welcome here. You know, and it's it's just something to me. Once we from the outside in. Then we're going to see multiple players start feeling comfortable, and they're going to make that huge decision on their own. But they're going to know if they need a resource, if they need a friend, someone's confidence that it's there for them. Well, and and I think we cannot overstress the importance of having an example because I read that you grew up in the military, and I did too, and there are no examples at all. You do grow up feeling like you're the only one in the world for the longest time. Well, my my stepfather was a, is a Marine Corps veteran, and I'm the oldest of five boys. So it was – and, you're, I mean, that's what I think was where I had trouble understanding my own journey until I was in my late 20s. Um, I had never met anybody. I was never around it. So it was is that thing, that inner dialogue that so many of us have – um, in our community, there's a shared bond. I, I love when we get to sit down and share our stories because we have so much in common where it's really just trying to find where you fit in. And the the thing about being involved in sports and that, you know, I was so fortunate to have to be a professional athlete for a long time. I never I never thought for a minute I wanted to be out of that world. Right. But the idea the the damaging things that I did by being in the closet um, I didn't realize until it was it was too late. You know, the, the deception, the lies to your family, hiding, and then when my partner passed away, um, to, to to the reality that I had never even introduced him to my parents in that context, or I had no friends. I I didn't have. I you know, the San Diego community is an amazing community, but I was afraid to go out because I thought somebody would see me and know that I was on the Padres. So it was it was a it was isolation. Very tough. Yeah. Tell me, what's who has reached out to you? Um, what's the reaction been in the baseball world? Active, retired? Who is there anybody who has reached out to you and said, "Good on you, Billy. We're very we're fired up for you." I've I've been. Over, Can you share any names? Over, <laughs> Who's I mean I mean well, I don't don't just, out anybody, but just somebody you know like like a mostly, Tony Larusa. Hey, welcome to the Ambassadors I, Club. I think people that understand how I have carried myself since my story came out are very excited for me. I have great friends. Brad Osmus is the manager of Detroit Tigers. Um, Arky Cianfraco, Trevor Hoffman, these guys, you know, I, I sort of hinted to them. I was down in San Diego a couple of weeks ago that something really exciting was going to happen. And and uh, Rick Welts, who's the president of Golden State Warriors, I've spoken with him. He's very, very excited. Um, they all know that it's at, at the beginning stages. The job it, this, it's not really an accomplishment. It's an opportunity. And that's the way I'm looking at it. And I have a huge responsibility in front of me. And uh, I'm going to do my very best to build that bridge between the two worlds that should have been built a long time ago. There's so many great athletes who have not been able to completely be centered in, in the moment. And that's where all of us know great performers, great singers, great actors, they got to be centered. Well, thank you so much, Billy Bean. And thank good you. luck with this. This is a rather daunting project you're taking on. Well, thank you, Billy Bean. I do have to ask, is there a website for more information besides Outsports that we should be familiar with? Well, you can follow MLB.com. I will start blogging um, on my Twitter account at Billy Bean Ball. I'm going to do updates daily. Um, my Facebook fan page now, all this stuff was just prepared 
it's amazing, you know, for learning the, the social media reality of, of our world now and the responsibility for me. I want to journal and share the, the, the accomplishments of all the people that I come in contact with. Um, so I think people can follow it that way. Well, our thanks to Ambassador Billy Bean for dropping by. But we have to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with out singer-songwriter Tom Goss and a new friend from Texas who will answer the question, when the leader of the free world walks up to your cast register, what do you say? Don't go away. We'll be right back. Nancy Tucker says, read all about it. Coming up now on The Rainbow Minute. Nancy Tucker's involvement in the Mattachine Society of Washington, D.C. in 1967 galvanized her as a gay activist. After society members nominated her as the co-editor of The Gay Blade, she got right to work building the one-page monthly newsletter into what years later became The Washington Blade, a leading GLBT newspaper in the country. She said her goal was to engender a sense of community. I felt it was very important for gays to become acquainted with one another, she said. Publicity encourages self-confidence. It creates self-respect. From 1967 to 1969, the depth of her leadership was undeniable. Marching with picket signs in the gay and lesbian civil rights demonstrations in Philadelphia, New York, and Washington, D.C. The Rainbow Minute is produced by Judd Proctor and Brian Burns and recorded in the studios at WRIR in Richmond, Virginia and read by volunteers like me, Chris Dalbum. Hi, I'm Chaz Bono, and you're listening to IMRU Radio Magazine, out loud and proud since 1974. On KPFK FM, 90.7 Los Angeles, 98.7 Santa Barbara, 93.7 San Diego, 99.5 Ridgecrest, China Lake, and streaming online at kpfk.org. On the next edition of Uprising, we'll cover the latest news globally, nationally, and locally with sharp analysis and insight you won't get from the mainstream media. Join me, Sonali Kolhatkar, on Uprising weekdays at 8 a.m. right here on KPFK. Welcome back. You're listening to IMRU Radio. I am Steve Pride. I'm Wendell Jones. I'm Chris Ann Eastwood. You know, a couple weeks ago, a cashier at a Texas barbecue joint made international headlines for his unexpected exchange with the leader of the free world. Sherry Shepard, she's looking for work? No, it was the U.S. President Barack Obama. And joining us, joining us via phone from Texas is the gay in question, Daniel Rugg Webb. So welcome, Daniel, to IMRU. Hi, thanks for having me. Hi there. So can you just give a quick recap for the three people in the world who haven't heard this story yet about your Obama moment? <laughs> sure. Uh, I was the uh, registered girl at my job, and uh, without very much notice, Secret Service came in and kind of sweeps the joint and frisked us all. And about 30 minutes later, the president walked in the room, uh, shook everybody's hands, kind of walked through the line. And um, when he came up to me, asked me my name, uh, I shook his hand and said, my name's Daniel. And after our exchange of business, I kind of slapped my hand on the counter and said, equal rights for gay people. Um, And then the president of the United States asked me if I was gay. And I said to him, only when I'm having sex. And then we uh, fist bumps, which seems to be the moment that everybody likes the most. It was. It's the moment the entire world saw. And and I was wondering, though, when I read about this, isn't it daunting when they do that security sweep? Didn't it just put you sort of on your guard and make you think twice about doing this? Or did the moment just come to you? 
Well, I wish it made me really wish I'd washed my hair. Um, <laughs> but no, it was uh, it was funny to watch the customers get frisked because people were so excited. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, I'll I'll let a man in a suit uh, get get his hands all over me. Well, now was were you working a regular shift or were you chosen for this? No, it was very much just luck of the draw. We do a little rock, paper, scissors just to see. Okay. Well, the reason I wondered is because from the newspaper picture, you just think, oh, it's a guy in Austin. But then when I went to your website and researched your comedy and everything, you may be the gayest man in Austin. <laughs> uh, that's funny. I, I There's a couple Marys I could prove you wrong with. But we got a, <laughs> we got a really healthy, supportive uh, community here for sure. I mean... <laughs> Uh, I, th- I think right now I might be. But, um, You're almost the Rosa Parks of the gay movement in Austin specifically. <laughs> I would love that. That would be great. Um, I would. <laughs> that should be my drag name, though, like Rosa Snarks. Well, now you do have a drag name, though, don't you? I do. I'm Toyota Lopez. <laughs> and how's the drag career going? Well, I got to tell you, it's it's few and far between, but I got first runner-up in a drag competition uh, like a night ago. So we're hot. We're hot right now. Well, now, how's your moment with Obama giving you a bump in the performing community there in Austin? Or have you been offered international things? Because weird stuff happens with that kind of fame. Well, it's, I've definitely been uh, making lots of new friends, and I have gotten a few gigs uh, extra out of it and a couple writing opportunities, which is great. Um, but really, just the opportunity to speak with everybody. I got to be in Butt Magazine, which is amazing. In fact, that's a huge personal victory. So, um, <laughs> you know, and it's it's cool. I get a little. I'm getting a lot of support from people, um, which is, is is quite unexpected and not anything I was looking for. So. And did you get any new comedy material out of this? Oh my Lanta! I have the the negative trolling online. I'm going to print all of them out, and and I'm going to work with it because it's gold. There's a lot of vile, vile commentary out there. It's it's to me hysterical. So I can't I can't wait to really pour over it and um, develop it into something. And when I think That's, compiled vile commentary, does that mean a book? <laughs> I mean, there's enough of it. I mean, I'm definitely getting a lot of support, but um, there's, you know, there's a lot of people out there which, that don't agree, which I think just proves my point, you know, is that it's, there are, there's a lot of uh, unequal things out there. That, um, so it's crazy. But yeah, I could publish a book out of that for sure. And when this all want. quiets down, what do you think your favorite thing will be to look back on? Um, so there's a picture, uh, like, after words where he's just kind of standing there laughing and to be honest that's such a cool like cred thing just to be able to like i made a sitting president laugh i'm a comedian that's a cool opportunity how many people can say that that. well lindsay mentioned your website what is the website address uh it's the danielweb.com t-h-e the danielweb.com and there's links to some comedy videos and my dates for shows coming up. I have a bunch of festivals I get to be in. Um, and my music's there, too, even though I'm not really booking myself as a musician. Right and now. I have been there, and it is endlessly fascinating, but I'm afraid we're out of time, so thank you so much for joining us here on IMRU, Daniel. Listen, thank you so much for the support. It's great to speak with you. Thanks, Excellent. Daniel. Bye. 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 Fist bump in the air. Air <laughs> fist. We can do an air fist Air bump? fist. Air, I air like fist. the sound of that it. That sounds different. It does. Where can we go from here? Let's see. 
Uh, How about one of your favorite outsinger songwriters? Favorite singer songwriters is he is he is. I'm Tom Goss. I'm a singer and a songwriter based out of Washington D.C. It's been two to three years since we saw you last. So what have you done since then? Start with the the next day. <laughs> well, I'm trying to think. I think I was here when um, Turn It Around was releasing. Yes. So that was really fun. I was on tour at the time, and I spent a lot of time on the road. And since that, I kind of, after Turn It Around happened, I went into a cabin in the woods and kind of disappeared and recorded a darker album called Lost Songs and Underdogs. And then kind of really got in touch with my artistic being in that process. Then followed up next year with mostly fun stuff, uh, most notably my single Bears and my video Bears, which was so much fun to make and shoot. I'm playing Bears at the end of the show. What, What inspired that song? I mean, obviously, I'm married to a bear, and that's that's not news. You know, that's been for a long time. It's kind of interesting. I, I've always had a lot of bear fans, but it wasn't like, oh, I'm married to a bear. It just kind of, you know, was organic because I think bears tend to resonate more with acoustic music and tend to be really supportive in that way. And, and that's always been really great. I've, I've been happy about that. That's fine. But then I was hanging out a lot more at Bear Happy Hour in Washington, D.C., which my friends Charger and Scott run, and it's just a lot of fun. So they were like, you should play at Bear Happy Hour. And I thought, oh, that's really fun. And so I had a gig at Bear Happy Hour, and I woke up that morning, and I thought, you know, I should totally write a song about bears because that would be fun. You know, it would be fun to play at Bear Happy Hour. And I wrote this song. Honestly, just thinking that I was going to play it that night and not really think much about it. But people really responded to it. And um, I, I really enjoyed playing and I thought it was fun. I thought it was catchy. And, and so I started playing it and people just really loved it. So I thought about what that would look like as a single and what that would look like as a song. And and I was also going to Rich Morales dance parties a lot, you know, like like Blow Off and Hot Sauce. and and really kind of getting into more of the electronic dance music thing and really admired the work that he was doing. So I approached him, you know, with this song. I said, you know, I've got this song. I'd love to work together on it and come up with a different sound and see see what you can do with it. And, uh, yeah, he just, you know, turned around this really, really fun, poppy, dancey, you know, uh, electro kind of thing. And it was, uh, you know, I was really, really excited about it. And then we went and made a crazy music video around it. Well, tell me about your partner. How did you meet? How long have you been together? Mike and I have been together going on nine years now. We met on Yahoo Personals back when that existed. We had a personal ad, and we went out on a date, and um, it was pretty much over after that. <laughs> we pretty much lesbianed it up. And, um, you know, it was funny because, you know, I was in seminary, and you know, I was training to become a Catholic priest, and, and I left seminary in a really dark place, and I met Mike probably nine or ten days later, maybe two weeks max. I left seminary Thanksgiving, and so I met him, and we went on a couple dates for a couple weeks, and then we both went on our respective Christmas vacations, essentially. And uh, I think we both spent a lot of time texting each other and thinking about each other, and by the time we came back in early January, we were pretty much inseparable. So it was total lesbianic, yeah. What's the secret of the long relationship, and because let's be honest, the gay men are pretty much dogs, and the coming out, the first love, usually doesn't last because they have to go off and sow wild oats or something. Hmm. So this is a remarkable story to me. Sometimes that appeals to me, you know, to be, you know, in an open relationship or to be sleeping with other people or something like that. But when I step back and I think about it, I think it appeals to me on on a very surface level. I don't think that something like that is what sustains me. I don't find the idea of having sexual relationships with a lot of other people, I don't find that 
that that would nourish me in the long term, emotionally and spiritually. And so for Mike and I, that's just what works for us. Now, I know everybody's different, you know, and I have a lot of friends who that works for them. But for me, I have a real hard time separating the physical, the mental, the emotional, the spiritual. And so I'm not really built for for something like that. I think what makes it work for us is that we communicate a lot. We're really honest with each other, you know, and we listen to each other. And frankly, I think the great thing about being in love and being in a relationship is that you care more about the other person's needs than you do about your own. When that's happening on both sides, then you're always feeling loved and nourished and encouraged, and it makes it a lot easier to be apart from one another. How does that influence your music? Well, people know me because I write songs about love. You know, again, I was training to become a priest, and um, I think I think my songs, you know, when, when people say that I write a lot of songs about love, I tend to not see it that way. I see myself as somebody who's always searching for something bigger and searching for truth, and I, I find that my songs are about truth. Like, to me, I find that I'm always searching for something bigger and greater than me, and the thing that I found that is that is my relationship with Mike. And so for me, when I think of something that's that's bigger than me, more powerful than me, and that, that can heal people and can heal me and that can bring more goodness into the world, you know, I think about my relationship with Mike and how I've seen truth and, frankly, God through that, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it, it influences my music because I write from a very personal space, and that's my experience. Who is the Tom Gross audience? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think that my music is really accessible. I think I work hard to write really accessible music. So I'm, of course, an artist, and so I'm going to say that my market is everybody. You know, that's my audience. I'm always trying to speak to everybody. People always ask me, what do I want to be doing, you know, a year from now? And my answer is always, I want to be doing this, but I want to be reaching more people. And what do you want them to take away from your music? I want people to be happy. I want people to listen to my music and be happy. It would make me very happy if you played me a song, Tom Goss. <laughs> sure, sure. This is a song called Illuminate the Dark. When I hold your hand It's my second skin So I hold your heart Oh, like porcelain And I fall in love All over again You know you're coming with Now it's true It's not forever Cause our bones will fall apart So let's take the time We have to shine Illuminate the dark When I greet the dawn, I hear you fumbling, bathroom light on, and water in the sink, now you enter in, so I can commence another day, my friend. So it's true, it's not forever, cause our bones will fall apart. 
So let's take the time we have to shine, illuminate the dark. Now we're back in bed. Another day is spent, hand in my hand, and it's all right again. It's a simple thing: how two souls can fit forever lies in this. So in truth, this is forever, 'cause our bones were just the start. So let's take the time we. Have to shine, illuminate, illuminate, illuminate the dark. That was beautiful. Thank you. What inspired that? Just the idea that we're here for a short time, and as much as we want to feel great and grand and believe that people are going to remember us forever, that's probably not true.、Okay. And just think that the people that are going to remember us and, and the people that. Are gonna take our light with us of the people that we love. So to be real, real sensitive to that and careful of that, and I don't know, to nourish that. So that's what that song's about. Play something else. Yeah, this song's kind of about vulnerability and about finding love in that. And I think there's a lot of people, especially in gay relationships, that aren't happy, and they're not happy because I think that sometimes gay people feel more broken than other people, and and think that they need to settle for less in that. So this is about not doing that, and and about finding somebody who, who enriches you and inspires you and helps you become the greatest person you can be. If you can take it, then I will give you all of me. But don't try to fake it. If this is real, it is all I need. And whispering winds they blow, and I'm listening, I'm listening on for your sweetest voice. Do you hear it? 'Cause I hear it. Well, if you can't love the worst of me, then it's not true love. It's not true love, and if you can't love the worst of me, then it's not true love. It's not true love. Give me your left hand. I'll give you my right. How does it fit? All of our best plans. Just like my walls are crumbling, and sinking ships can float if you see it and you dream it. Towards the great unknown, believe it, believe it. 'Cause if you can't love the worst of me, then it's not true love. It's not true love, and if you can't love the worst. 
to me that it's not true love. It's not true love. I say, well, maybe I'm a fool for seeking every bit of truth. I say, well, maybe it's all right to settle when you're scared sometimes, but not now. No, not this. I don't mean to be such a hopelessly lost romantic, but I need the truth now. Then it's not true love, it's not true love And if you can love the worst of me Then it's not true love, it's not true love And if you can love the worst of me Then it's not true love, it's not true love And if you can love the worst of me Then it's not true love it's not true love, it's not true love, and I need true love. You're really good live. I mean, to see you perform is so different than just hearing you on the albums. Yeah, I love it. I love performing. It's great. Is there a website for more information on your touring and your album? Tom Goss Music, and you can find me on all the social networks, you know, your Instagram, your Twitter, your Facebook, and it's all Tom Goss Music. So if you go to TomGossMusic.com, you can link through to that stuff, or if you just search Tom Goss, you'll find it as well. Thank you, Tom Goss. Thank you, Steve. There's just one thing left to do before we can all head home. And that's John Dyer the Fifth and Miss Barbie Q. Yes. Setting your gay agenda via the IMRU community calendar. Yes, hi there. This is the IMRU calendar for the week of July 21st, 2014. Feeling kind of squirrely with, with the weather changes? Well, we've got some events that you can come cool off, get some laughs, and be inspired by. Remember, all of these events can be found on, on the IMRU Facebook page. Are you a fan of the human anatomy unclothed? Running now through August 23rd at the Los Angeles LGBT Center is Work in Progress, an exhibit of life drawings featuring magnificent male nudes by gay artist and philanthropist John Burton Harder. The center's Learning Curve Adult Education Program has offered courses in life drawing for more than a decade, and all are encouraged to attend the exhibit, the drawing classes, or both. For more information, go to LALGBTcenter.org and get to know your anatomy. And Monday night, that's tonight at 8 o'clock, $5 is Planet Queer's two-year anniversary presented by Ian McKinnon and Travis Wood. It's been an incredible two-year space odyssey and it's time to celebrate. It's an evening of queer art, performance, music, community, and more. 21 and over at Akbar. It's on the corner of Fountain and Sunset. For for more information, go to Facebook.planet. Planet Q Akbar for more details. If you're looking for a super easy way to meet and socialize with new folks on a regular basis, then look into the SoCal Social Club, founded in 2007 by Luciano Costa. Designed to be the leading social club and online networking destination for LGBT professionals in LA, membership is free and open to professionals, entrepreneurs, freelancers, artists, and graduate students aged 21 and up. 
Please visit SoCalSocialClub.com for more information. Now, on Tuesday the 22nd, they're sexy, they're cute, they're waiting for you. Put on your dancing shoes and come audition and make a difference in the community in drag of all things. WeHo Cheer and WeHo Elite is looking for new members and it could be you. Come join them for Dancing at Fun at FUBAR. That's on the corner of Santa Monica and Crescent Heights, 7 to 9.30 p.m. The theater at Boston Court and Circle X Theater Company announced the extension of Stupid Effing Bird by Aaron Posner, and that's not the exact name, directed by Michael <laughs> Machete through August 10. In this irrever irreverent remix of Chekhov's The Seagull, everyone discovers just how disappointing life, art, and growing up can be. It's presented on the main stage at Boston Court Performing Arts Center in Pasadena. Tickets can be purchased online at bostoncourt.org or by calling 626-683-6883. Now, and finally, on Saturday the 26th, right smack in the middle of your Sunday Saturday afternoon is an exhibit that will be titillating, tantalizing, and leave you wanting to, well, get some more. Come check it out. Tama Fillin presents Slava Mongin and Ken Ben Brian Kenny, art, American artist and writer Slava Mogin and American artist and musician Brian Kenny, curated by Ruben Esperanza, founder and creator of Queer Biennial. For more information, go to www.queerbiennial.com or rubenesperanza.com. Five to eight, five dollars suggested donation is at the Tama Finland House. That's on 1421 La Vida Terrace, Los Angeles, 90026. High culture, auditions, a social club, a play extension, and an anniversary party. What more could a girl or guy want? Remember, information on all of these events has been posted on the IMRU Facebook page. Give us a look and a like. <laughs> We're your summer loving to some. I'm Miss Barbecue. And I'm John Dyer the Fifth. And now back to our sizzling hosts. Well, that's the end of our ride. Please return your tray tables to the upright and locked position. Our thanks to tonight's director, Michelle Marie Gilkison, coordinating producer Steve Pride, and our Rainbow Minute producers, Jet Proctor and Brian Burns. And our guests, Billy Bean, Tom Goss, and Daniel Rugweb. If you have comments or story suggestions, tweet us or follow us on Facebook at IMRU Radio or contact us directly via email at IMRU Radio at IMRU Radio O-R-G. I'm Ray Simulcast and available on demand at kpfk.org. Plus, we have it up on our Facebook page every Tuesday by noon. Coming up next, Flip the Script with Rico Matsuda. Flip that script. And don't forget the KPFK Summer Fund Drive begins tomorrow, and IMRU is made possible by contributions to this station by listeners like you. Thank you in advance for your support. We close with bears from Tom Goss. Good night. Good night. Good night. Some people think they got it right. They tell me just what I will like. A tight waist, a smooth face, daily exfoliates. But they don't know me. Take me out tonight It takes some 